0: <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the mind. The best love programs from radio's golden age. Only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor.
1: Thank you, and welcome to the show. X Minus One was an American half-hour science fiction radio drama that was broadcast on NBC. It was known for high production values in adapting stories from leading American authors of the era. Some names you might recognize, Isaac Asimov and Ray Bradbury, to name a few. Uh, Let me take you to the mid-50s now, when people and sci-fi writers were looking skyward and wondering what was happening way out there and imagining what might happen. Countdown
2: for Blastoff. X minus 5, minus 4, minus 3, minus 2, X minus 1, fire! From the far horizons of the unknown come tales of new dimensions in time and space. These are stories of the future, adventures in which you'll live in a million could-be years on a thousand would-be worlds. The National Broadcasting Company presents X X,
3: X, X, X,
1: X, X, Minus One
2: One. one, 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 one. Tonight's story, The Man in the Moon
4: (music) Attention Attention, this is the Federal Bureau of Missing Persons calling all local agencies. Attention, this is a coded report nationwide. Missing since 9 o'clock this morning the following persons. Smigley, Jonathan, 5 feet 8 inches tall, brown hair, brown eyes, mastoid scar behind right ear. Last seen wearing blue top coat and tan cap. Wanted by Los Angeles. Hello, Hello, get off this wavelength. This is a restricted band. Hello. Oh, uh, whoever you are, you're on a coded Hello, wavelength. Earth. Tune out. This frequency is reserved Hello. for the Federal Bureau of Missing Persons. Hello,
5: Earth. This is the Moon oh. calling
4: Earth. Hello, Earth. This guy's loony. This is Jake in transmission. Jake, this is Charlie of the Code Room. Some crackpot is on our frequency. Yeah, I heard him, Charlie. I've got CQ trying to trace a source now. We should have a triangulation any second. Well, hurry it up, will you? Some ham is in for a good stiff fine by the FCC. Yeah, they ought to take his license away. Here comes Lenny with a directional fix. Right. Thanks, Lenny. Hey. Hey, what's this? This is impossible. What's going on down there? How about it? Get that ham out of my killer cycles. Now, listen, Charlie, unless this is a gag, that interference is being beamed from 240,000 miles away. Oh, now, Jake, you know there ain't no such thing as 240,000 miles away. Yes, there is, Charlie, straight up. Oh, now, wait a minute.
2: Charlie, that signal is coming from the moon. Are you nuts? Oh, somebody might be bouncing it like a radar signal. Radar?
4: On this frequency? Where'd you study basic radio? Now,
2: listen, flathead, you
4: asked for a fix. I gave the best fix our instruments can find. Take it or leave it. Some. Buddy
3: on the moon is calling the Bureau of Missing
6: Persons. Mr. Timkin, Mr. Timken. What's the sweat, Charlie? Shouldn't you be broadcasting? Listen, Mr. Timkin,
4: you know I'm a sober citizen, right? Mm-hmm. Never once have I broadcast with the smell of alcohol on my breath, right? Right. In all your 12 years here at the Bureau, did I well, once what's ever... What's the matter, Charlie? We're picking up a message on our wavelength. Well, did you report to the FCC? I ain't got the nerve. Well, what's wrong? You'll scream when you hear this, Mr. Timkin. You'll jump right out the window, but... We are getting an SOS from the moon. Well, that's it. He started on voice and switched to Morse. The way the signal repeats sounds like a phonograph record or automatic sender of some sort. Well, what's it say? Uh, let's see here. Can you read me help Otterburn? We'll contact when moon is in phase. Let's have that again. Can you read me help Otterburn? We'll contact when moon is in phase. Otterburn. That sounds like a name, huh? Otterburn. Otterburn.
6: Wait a minute. Something registered? Cornelius Otterburn. Holy jumping Jehoshaphat. Hey,
4: where are you going? Talk to the chief. Hey, wait a minute. What are you going to tell him? We just got a CQ from the man in the moon? That's exactly what I am going to tell him, Charlie. Hey. This just too much for me. Washington Star Uh, Let me have O'Brien on city desk. For a moment. O'Brien? Seamus, yeah. Charlie Starbuck down at the Missing Persons Bureau. You want a hot one? No kidding. This will cost you beer, okay? All right, shoot, noodle brain. I'll stay on your wavelength for 30 seconds. Okay. We just got a radio message from the moon. From the moon
6: Call me back when you're sober
4: Okay Seamus, if you don't know a story when you see one I... I'll
6: send you the name of a good psychiatrist So long Orson Wells.
4: How do you like that? You don't believe me
6: Otterburn, Mr. Weed Now, does that name ring a bell? You're the man with the photographic memory, Henry. What about Otterburn? Cornelius Otterburn, atomic physicist, reported missing from his home in Baltimore on June 5th, 1945, just five years ago. Vanished completely. Are you trying to tell me you really think there's something to this man-of-the-moon business? Henry, I'm surprised at you. This is some crackpot trying to jam the airwaves. Yes, but the name Otterburn is so unusual. So are a lot of names. And I have a theory that... I was afraid Uh... of that. Henry, you always have a theory. Let's see, what was it last year? Oh, yes. That people disappear in occupational sight. Well it's true. Please, I... Henry, I'm a busy man. You expect me to believe that this Outerburn is sitting up on the moon sending out shortwave messages? Well, he might be on Earth bouncing the messages off the moon. But who's to say he isn't on the moon? Henry is chief of this bureau. I have my hands full trying to coordinate reports from forty eight states in Alaska. I have no time to include the moon. But Mr. Wade Out, Henry. Uh, but Mr. Wade. Out. I'm busy. Yes. Sir. Oh, here. Take this folder of reports for the dead file. Yes. And no more nonsense, eh, Henry? Yes. I appreciate that you have a very dull job filing old missing persons reports, and I appreciate that you take an active interest in the affairs of the bureau. But no more nonsense, eh? No, sir. No more nonsense. Uh, pardon me. Hmm? You are Mr. Henry Timkin. <laughs> That's my name. Permit me, Jefferson Philo, scientific feature writer. Well, how do you do? Well, are you a newspaper man? Not exactly. I write as a hobby. Occasionally, the papers give me leads on an assignment. If I may have a moment of your time... Well, certainly. Just sit down at my desk over here. Thank you. <laughs> my, that's quite a stack of papers. <laughs> Filing. Uh, I'm the records custodian of the Bureau 12 years and never misplaced a record. Magnificent. I admire the precise mind, Mr... Uh, Timkin. Of course. Now, Mr. Timkin... Mr. O'Brien, the editor of the Star, I just said I might drop by and investigate a rumor—only a rumor, mind you—that a message from the uh, moon. Well, we aren't certain it's from the moon. It may be a bounce. They have bounced radar waves off the moon, you know. Yes, and I know. I wrote the first newspaper article on it. Really, I'd be interested to read it. I must have a copy in my pocket. Well, I, I don't bother. I, d- oh, but I insist. Oh yes. There you are. I'll leave it on your desk. Oh, thank you very much. Now. About this message from the moon, Mr. Timkin... Well, now, we don't know for sure, as I said. But I believe that this message, wherever it originates, is from Cornelius Otterburn. The physicist? Don't you know him? I once wrote an article on his contribution to nuclear mechanics. A brilliant man, Otterburn. Years ahead of his contemporaries. Mm, Well, whoever is sending those signals, if he isn't on the moon, is at least using the moon as a sounding board, bouncing the signal. But why, Mr. Timkin, why? Well, if you will come here tomorrow night at eight, Mr. Philo, we may learn the answer to that question. I've arranged with Charlie, our radio man, to let me use the equipment. May I consider this an invitation? You certainly may. Very well, sir. Until tomorrow night, then. Uh, goodbye, Mr. Philo. Hmm. Let's see now. Aiken, Abelard, Abramson, Rano, Atch... That's funny. Now, where did this list of names come from? Paul Ahrens astro-mathematician, Robert Simons, electronic engineer, Carl Parker, mining specialist. Well, this must have gotten mixed up with the papers on my desk by accident. Peculiar list of names. Oh, good morning, Charlie. Oh, hi, Mr. Tukin.
4: See, we made the papers. Oh? And how... As the chief steamed up about it, he really gave me what for him.
6: What did the paper say?
4: Oh, mostly, ha-ha. Here's the herald, listen. Man on the moon contacts Missing Persons Bureau. Missing atomic scientists sitting on the moon, say bureau experts, etc., etc. What a panny.
6: Well, no wonder Mr. Wade is hopping. Say, about tonight, Mr.
4: Tintin, I don't know. Now, you
6: promised you'd give me a key
4: to the radio room. Yeah, but I didn't
6: expect it. I'll take full responsibility with Mr. Wade. Time for the morning broadcast. We got quite a list today. Well, mind if I listen a while? We may hear Otterburn. Why, he ain't self-conscious. Just stick around. Yes. <clears throat>
4: attention. Attention. This is the Federal Missing Persons Bureau calling all local agencies. Nationwide. This is a coded broadcast. The following persons are missing. Aaron's, Dr. Paul. What? Five feet five. Brown hair. Brown eyes. Scar on left side of chin. Thick glasses. Aaron's. Occupation. Astro-mathematician. Missing, missing since 6 o'clock this morning. <laughs> being sought by Bel Air police. Uh, Charlie. Uh, repeat. Dr. Paul uh, Charlie, turn off a second. Hold it. A uh, delay one minute. Listen, Mr. Timkin, it's okay to stay, but you can't interrupt now, this. This is
6: important. Did you say Dr. Aarons was reported missing this morning? 6 a.m. We got the report from Bel Air less than an hour ago. That, are you certain, Charlie? Positive.
4: What is this? Charlie, what's the next name on the list?
0: Uh... Let's
4: see. Simons Robert Engineer. What? Came in less than 20 minutes ago. 20?
6: Hey, what's the matter with you? You look like you've seen a ghost. It's nothing, Charlie, except that last night, quite by accident, someone left a list of names on my desk, and that list included the names of those two men who were reported missing within the last hour. What? Oh, that doesn't sound right to me. But it isn't right, Charlie. It leaves a big question to be answered. Who would make up a list of missing persons before they were missing, not after? And you say this list of names was left on your desk accidentally? Well, I believe so, Mr. Wade. Do you have any ideas, Henry? Well, it's hard to say. Mr. Philo left some papers from his briefcase. Mr. Philo? A, a science feature writer. I see. You were the leak on that story, then. Yes, sir, I'm afraid I was. I didn't think it would be treated as a laughing matter. we'll, we'll deal happened. with that later. Yes. What's this Philo like? Well, he's, he's a strange old duck, bald, thick glasses, tall. He walks stooped over. Uh, seems to know a great deal about scientific data, but, of course, being a science writer, he... Is w- there any other possibility? I believe that this is all hooked up with the broadcast from Otterburn. That seems to be a very remote possibility. Well... <clears throat> The Missing Persons Bureau deals in remote possibilities, Mr. Wade. I do not require a statement of policy. Yes, sir. What's the theory?
7: But th- for some
6: time now, it has been my contention that in a country like ours, where even the cleverest criminal can be ferreted out and located eventually, there is no such thing as a missing person. <sighs> I was afraid of that. Now, uh, for 12 years now, I have kept the central files, where information from all over the country is channeled and recorded. I have made a private study. This is beginning to sound familiar, Henry. And I have discovered That each year, literally thousands of persons vanish, leaving no trace. They are never located. Where do they go? Nobody knows. And? And they disappear in interesting cycles. What sort of cycles? Occupations, for example. One year, we'll have a run on, say, coal miners. Next year, the proportion of engineers increases. And then, scientists. And What do you think happens, Henry? I don't know, Mr. Wade, but I'm beginning to suspect that somebody else has discovered the same phenomenon... Even to the point, perhaps, of being able to predict who will turn up among the missing next. Milo? Well, I don't know. But I would like to find out. And you think Otterburn may be a part of this picture? Mr. Wade, I definitely do. Henry, do you honestly expect me to buy an idea like that? It is more than an idea. The the two top men on this list are missing, and... Maybe so, but the rest of them aren't. Parker, Watson, Gibbs... Why I saw Parker in the restaurant where I had lunch today. Yes, but and but if but you but think I... I'm going to make myself a laughing stock by accepting such a crack brain theory, well, I... excuse me. Yes. Hello, Wade speaking. Yes. Hmm. see. Uh, what name? Just a moment, Henry. Let yes. me see that list again. Yeah, here you are, sir. Go ahead. I see. I'll get back to you. I uh. I guess I owe you an apology, Henry. Sir? Harold Parker was just reported missing. Parker? Third man on your list. Holy mackerel. Exactly. Henry, for a good many years now, I've ridiculed these theories of yours. I don't know. Perhaps I have underestimated you. Maybe this time you've really stumbled onto something. What do you intend to do, Mr. Wade? I don't know. I haven't thought it out yet. I I was planning to listen for another broadcast tonight in the hope that Otterburn might try to contact us again. Good idea. I believe I'll join you. I I also invited Mr. Philo, the feature writer. Oh? I'd be glad to meet him. I'm beginning to get interested in you, Mr. Philo. Wait, you don't think... That he's mixed up in this? Yes. I don't know, Henry. It suddenly strikes me that we don't know very much about him, really.
7: He ought to contact the
6: police. No, Henry. I I think we're better off keeping this between ourselves for the moment. We're dealing with the unknown. And in solving an equation for the X-factor, it's often easier to limit the number of terms. Follow me? We don't know, Mr. Wade. There may be more danger in what you have discovered than you are aware of. Let's keep it quiet. You agree? Maybe you're right, Mr. Wade. I I hadn't thought of the danger involved. Good luck. My friend, Mr. Philo was late. Well, he said he'd be here. He strikes me as a man who keeps appointments. Look out the window. Yes. The moon is almost in direct phase. We can't wait much longer. It's a perfectly clear knife for transmission. If anybody's sending, we ought to pick it up with this equipment. You'd better switch on the set. Yes. I never realized how eerie this office could be when it was empty. I left a light in the hall Mr. Philo, when he comes. Are you getting anything? Oh, Just some foreign stuff, I think.
4: Tonight's programming from Johannesburg,
6: South Africa. We continue and effort. That's a peculiar transmission sound Earth, Earth. Oh, That sounds like something See if I can work the selector The moon is in phase Yes Hello, Earth Can you hear me? Uh, I'll try to return Hello, hello Hello, Earth uh, Hello, do you hear me? Oh, I get you now Thank God. Who are you? Can you hear me? Uh, who are you? This is Professor Cornelius Otterburn. Hello? Uh, go on, I hear you. Not much time. They're on to me. They've located my sending point. You hear me? Uh, go ahead, keep talking. I've only enough oxygen for a few minutes more. Well, where are you? I'm on the Earth side of the moon. You get that? The Earth side of the moon. A volcanic Could crater. You start that recorder, Mr. Wade. Uh, go on, explain, please. Explain, please. Listen closely. There is an Earth Earth colony on the moon. There is an Earth colony on the far side of the moon made up of renegade scientists and criminals. P- Professor Ernst Halsman... Well, Halsman, he died in an insane asylum in 1938. Professor Ernst Halsman discovered nuclear rocket power in 1935, turned his plans over to escaped inmates of the asylum... They, they took off and set up a colony on the far side of the moon in 1938. Uh, go, go ahead, we're recording you. Each year, they recruit new colonists from Earth. Sl- slave labor, mostly. Uh, I was kidnapped in 1945. Yes, I, I, I know. I keep talking. They wanted me to work on atomic drive for their flying disks. Uh, Still getting you. Go on. Last month, six others and I escaped. Now speak louder. You've you got to stop them. Stop them. Stop who? The Bone colony planning to take over the Earth invasion. Uh, Hang on. No, no, no oxygen. Hard oh, to, to, to breathe. Listen. They, they have agents on Earth. Yeah, Agents on Earth? Oh, where? Who? Uh, hello? 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 Agents? Yeah. Henry, look the out. Lights. Someone at the window, get down. Henry, are you all right? I, I, I think so. His shot smashed the transmitter. And the lights. Strike a match. Careful. He was close. I got a look at him. From the description, it was your Mr. Philo. We got a recording anyway. But but not the most important part of the message. Poor Otterburn, suffocating to death. Henry, we've got to get you out of here. He said they have agents. Philo was probably one of them. He'll be looking for you now, trying to kill you. The the police... You think the police would believe a fantastic story like this? People being kidnapped to the moon as slave labor? Moon colony planning an invasion of the Earth? But Henry, believe me, they'd they'd trap us into straitjackets before we could finish. We've got to do something. We need time. Time to get through. You don't think my theory was bunk then? I know it wasn't, Henry. Right now, my only concern is for your safety. But we can't walk out of here. Philo's probably waiting. Listen, there's a service elevator that leads to the basement garage. Yeah? We can get down there. There are some delivery trucks parked there all night. We can probably get one started. Garage doors off the ramp work from the inside. We'll start the mechanism and make a run for it. I I don't know. I think if we call the police... By the time the the police get here, we'll be dead. You think Philo will wait outside all night? Come on. That's an order. Okay. What about the recording of Otterburn's notes? We'll leave that here and in the safe in my office. They'll never get into that. Let's go. You buzz the elevator while I hide the recording. This is the basement. Come on. Keep to the side. Yes, sir. Shh. Let's try that delivery truck over there. I'll get in. All right, Henry. You start the mechanism to open the garage door. Then jump onto the truck. Yes, sir. We'll make a dash for it. Where can we go? I have a farm outside Chevy Chase. It's private, miles from the nearest neighbor, and completely hidden by trees. We'll run for that. Go ahead. Start the door. Up. All right. Quick. Jump in. Better go, Henry. Cross your fingers. doing? There's a blue coupe behind us, Mr. Wade. It's easily following. I'll cut up Pennsylvania Avenue. Now route one toward Baltimore. It is following. He turned with us. Can you go faster? Not much faster. Oh, he's gaining on us. I've got an idea. Hang on, Henry. Yes. Why would you stop? I'll turn off the lights. worked. He shot right past us. Now we'll double back and go out another route. Well, I... I don't see anything. I think we've lost him. Good. I think everything's going to be all right now. We can be at my farm in less than an hour. longer now. Is anyone behind us? I-, I thought I saw the blue coop again, but I, I was mistaken. Whew. This place is really hot in the wilderness. You can stay here indefinitely to we we'll figure out the next move. Now, just up this third road now. There's the house up ahead. You're not going toward it? No, I have a better idea. There's a big abandoned wheat silo on my grounds. It's down a hollow where it can't be seen except in the air. And even then, the oak tree's shield it. we will hide you out there. We leave the truck here. You love this scene. Come on. Yes, uh, How did you ever find this place, Mr. Wade? I've always liked seclusion. I bought it about 12 years ago. Come up here in the summertime to get away from it all. There's the silo. It's uh, certainly well hidden. There's a small door around the side. Come on. Careful of those bushes. Uh, uh, yes, it's hard sir. to see them in the dark. Do you suppose Philo will find us? I assure you, Henry, Mr. Fowler will never find us here. Not in a million years. Here's the door. It's pitch dark. Oh, my arm. I know the way. Just a few steps up and another door. Steel. This is an unusual silo. Double walled, wood outside and steel inside. Completely fireproof. An army couldn't wreck it. We're inside the inner shell. Careful. We're in a circular room. Stay here a moment. I'll go outside and see if the coast is clear. In a moment, your eyes will become accustomed to the darkness. I'll bring back some food and water. Uh, don't be long, Mister Wade. I this, this place gives me the willies. Just a moment, Mister Wade. It's very innocent. Mr. Wade? What's that? There is something. Good Lord. There's someone in here. It's locked. Oh no. Mr. Wade.
0: Mr. Wade, let me out. I'm not alone in here. Mr. Wade.
6: This must be a light switch. Thank God. Oh no. 15, 15,
3: 20. Mr. Wade, out!
6: Shout, Henry. Mr. Wade, where are you? Outside, speaking over the intercom. Mr. Wade, there are people in here, 15 or 20 of them. They're sitting like statues, just just staring at me. They won't hurt you, Henry. They've all been drugged. They're even more helpless than you. But, but, who are they? Permit me to introduce them, Henry, since they're currently unable to introduce themselves. The gentleman seated before you, the one with the scar is Dr. Paul Aarons, the astro-mathematician. Next to him is Mr. Robert Simons, electronic engineer. He's on the list. Yes, you're familiar with the rest. They've all been, uh, shall we say, recruited to work with Professor Halsman's group on the moon.
1: Moon? Then you, you...
6: You're one of them. Of course. Oh, yes. There's one whose name was not on our list. If you'll turn around, Henry, recognize the drugged form of your old friend, Mr. Pilot. <sighs> pilot, but I—I I thought that he was part of the conspiracy. No, on the contrary, his snooping made it necessary for us to include him. He's put the man in the window—the one who fired the shot. An agent of mine, the pilot of this ship. Ship? What ship? This silo was camouflaged for a rocket launching platform. In a moment, the roof will slide back for the rocket's takeoff. A rocket ship. In exactly 70 hours, you and your companions will join Professor Otterburn on the moon. But you you can't do this to me. We have done it. No! You see, there was another name omitted in that list, which I carelessly mixed up with no, your papers. That no. of no. Henry Timkin. No! Bon
5: voyage. I won't let you do this! You can't!
4: persons Timkin Henry age 45 height 5 feet 8 165 pounds brown eyes slightly balding occupation records custodian repeat Timkin Henry age 45 height 5 feet 8 165 pounds.
2: In just a moment, a word about next week's adventure. Tonight, by transcription, X 1 has brought you The Man in the Moon, an original radio drama written by George Lefferts. Featured in the cast were Louis Van Ruten as Henry, Santos Ortega as the Chief, Ross Martin as Charlie, Sidney Smith as Otterburn, Bob Haig as Jake, Joe DeSantis as Philo, and Ed Latimer as O'Brien. Your announcer, Fred Collins. X-Minus One was directed by Fred Way and is an NBC Radio Network production.
1: Stay tuned for Phil Harris and Alice Faye next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for Phil Harris and Alice Faye. The comedy radio program ran on NBC from 1948 to 1954 and all from an earlier music and comedy variety program, The Fitch Bandwagon. Singer-bandleader Phil Harris and his wife, actress-singer Alice Faye, became the early show's breakout stars. And the show was retooled into a full situation comedy, with Harris and Faye playing fictionalized versions of themselves as a working show business couple raising two daughters in a slightly madcap home. Well, that madcap description certainly applies to tonight's episode, called... Red paint on the poodle.
7: Good health to all from Rexall. It's the Phil Harris Alice Day Show, presented by the makers of Rexall drug products and 10,000 independent Rexall family druggists.
8: Good evening and aloha new Tonight, the makers of Rexall drug products and the 10,000 independent family druggists who recommend and sell them salute station KGU Honolulu and welcome you to the NBC network carrying the Harris Fay Show. Through the facilities of KGU, we extend greetings to all our friends on the islands, and especially to the firm of Benson Smith, who have been Rexall druggist for the past 40 years. We land lovers here on the mainland tell you in all sincerity that we're happy you've invited us aboard, and we hope that you'll become regular members of our listening audience. But wait... I'm sure the stars of our show can tell you much better than I just how we all feel. So, here's Alice
9: Fay, and Bill Harris.
10: Phil, isn't it wonderful? Now we can be heard in the Hawaiian Islands.
9: You bet it's wonderful, honey. When I think of all those lovely people way out there in the Mediterranean Bill, that
10: Phil, the Hawaiian Islands are in the Pacific.
9: When I think of all those lovely people way out there in the Pacific listening to our program, I just want to sing. Well, don't. This is no
10: time for corn.
9: All right, Smarty, what can I do?
10: Why, tell our listeners in Hawaii how happy we are to have them with us every Sunday from now on.
9: Okay. Folks, we're just bowled over that you're going to be with us every Sunday from now on.
10: And that we'll do our
9: very best to please them. We'll do our very best to please you.
10: And that we'd love to have their letters and comments.
9: And we'd love to have your letters and compliments.
10: Still. Now,
9: now can I sing?
10: What? That's what I like about the South?
9: Think you're smart, don't you? Well, this time I'm going to sing That's What I Like About the South Pacific.
10: Oh no you don't. We want Hawaii to keep listening.
7: Aloha to all from Rexall. All Family Druggist brings you the Phil Harris Alice Faye Show. Written by Ray Singer and Dick Chevrolet, with Elliot Lewis, Walter Titley, Robert North, Janine Roos, and Whitfield, Walter Sharp, and his music. Yours truly, Bill Foreman, and starring Alice Faye and Phil Harris. Mr. Scott of Rexall and his wife are going on a motor trip for a few days. However, they have a very valuable French poodle named Madame Volvery, whom they would like to leave in good hands while they're gone. As we look in, we find Mr. Scott on the phone, asking Phil if he'll take care of the dog while they're away. What's that, Mr.
9: Scott? Uh... Mr. Scott, we seem to have a bad connection. What did you say?
8: I said, I'm taking Mrs. Scott on a motor trip for a few days, and I'd like to leave Madame Bovary with you while I'm
9: gone. Madame Bovary? Gee, Mr. Scott, I'd like to help you out, but I'm a married man.
3: <laughs> Gee
9: whiz, Alice is a little touchy about having other women around the house. I ain't Harris, gonna... Harris, Harris, Harris. Madame Bovary is a dog. Oh, well, in that case, leave it with Ramley. He don't care what they look like. <laughs>
8: Give me strength. Look, Cornball... (laughs) Madame Bovery is a
9: dog. You know... Bow-wow! Oh, Scotty, you've been working too hard.
8: Harris, listen closely.
9: I'll spell it for you. I want to leave a
8: D-O... No, that'll get him more confused than... (laughs) Wait, wait, I, I've got it. Mr. Harris, when your wife is mad at you, where does she put you? In a doghouse.
9: Cut it
5: in half and you've got it! <laughs> That's
9: what I want to leave with you. A dog. Well, why didn't you say so instead of getting me involved in one of them double-in-tandem routines? don't <laughs> know well, nothing about what you're talking about. We'd be glad to take them. care of her. Nice dog, bring her over. Thanks. I'll be right over with her. Goodbye. Goodbye, Mr. Scott
10: call, Phil. Oh,
9: it's Mr. Scott, honey. He's taking his wife on a motor trip, and he wants to leave his dog with us.
10: Oh, that'll be nice for the children, having a dog around.
9: Yeah. Well, if that Scotty's coming over with that dog, I won't be able to finish painting this chair right now.
10: You better put the paint away now.
9: I'll put the paint can away later.
10: You know, Phil, we should have bought the girls a dog for Christmas. Frankie promised them one, but instead he gave them that horrible uncouth
9: gift. Hold it, Mercedes. <laughs> What's uncouth about a pool table? <laughs>
10: In the house, and I'm going to tell Frankie. So, where
9: is he? He's in the den with the kids. Said he was going to help them with their homework. I'll call him. Hey, Revly, come in here a minute, will you?
3: All right, Curly, I'll be right with you.
9: Okay,
8: Phyllis, it's your shot.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Try
9: the six ball in the side pocket, and this time, don't cheat. <laughs> Keep one foot on the floor.
3: <laughs>
9: now, remember, you each owe me three dollars so far. <laughs> Well, that was before I was sure I could beat you. Okay, now, stop stalling and chalk up.
3: All right. Uncle Frankie, how do I make this shot?
9: That's a cinch. Put a little English on the cue ball, kiss her off the seven, bank it off the corner cushion, you get it right in the side pocket. (laughs) It's an impossible shot. She'll never make it.
3: Well, I'll try. Here goes. (laughs)
8: Little wise guy
3: (laughs) Well, Phyllis and I won that game Now it's your turn to pay up
9: All right Here's 50 cents in play money
3: I don't (laughs) care, Uncle Frankie When we win, you pay us in play money But when you win, we have to pay you in real money How come?
9: Fortunes of war, my child (laughs) Now if you kids will excuse me I'll go see what your daddy wants Curly? Hey, do you want to see me, Curly?
10: I want to see you, Frankie. It's about the pool table. Oh oh, oh
9: oh hold it a minute. That must be Mr. and Mrs. Scott. What are the Scots coming here for?
10: They're going away on a trip and they're stopping by for a minute. Excuse us, Frankie. Yeah. Hello, Harris. Mrs. Harris. Oh, hello, Mr. Scott. Come right on in. Where's Mrs. Scott?
9: She's at home. I'm picking her up later. Well, here's Madam Bovery. Ah, uh, hiya, Foochie. <laughs> ah... <laughs> uh, uh, Oh, she's a cute little thing. Hey, Curly, does the old test tube believe yet? Has... Oh, hi, Scotty.
1: <laughs>
9: oh, it's him.
8: Hello, Remley. Good to see you.
3: Hey.
9: <laughs> Good to see you too. You're looking fine, Mr. Scott. <laughs> well, Mrs. Scott. <laughs> You're looking your usual charming self. (laughs) Nice to see you again. She's got a cold, eh?
3: (laughs) Friendly. One more nasty... Oh,
10: no, no. Just a mistake, Mr. Scott. Frankie can't see too well. He's wearing his nearsighted head today. Look,
9: Frankie, this is a dog. It isn't Mrs. Scott.
8: Harris, I hardly think the identification is necessary.
3: (laughs) As for you, Remley, this is the beginning
8: of a new year. So why don't you get it off to a good start by doing away with yourself?
3: <laughs> now, Mrs. Harris, I have to be running
8: along now.
10: Oh, I'll see you to the door, Mrs. Scott.
8: All right, so long, Scotty. Come so on, Frankie, let's take this dog in and show it to the kids, huh? Uh, and by the way, Mrs. Harris, I want to leave this dog whistle with you. Yes. Incidentally, don't think the whistle's broken when you blow it, because you won't hear it, but the dog will.
10: Oh, Mr. Scott, you've been standing too close to Frankie.
8: (laughs) (laughs) I know I sound like him, but this is a supersonic whistle, and it's too high-pitched for the human ear, but a dog can hear it plainly. Oh, by the way, Mrs. Harris, I won't be here for the program Sunday, but I'll try to listen in. I'd hate to miss your song.
10: I'd hate to have you miss it, too, and just to make sure you don't,
5: I'll sing it now. Bye-bye, baby Remember you're my baby When they give you the eye And just to show that I care I will write and declare That I'm on the loose But I'll stay on the square I'll be lonely but even though I'm only there'll be no I'm other... And declare that though on the loose, you are still on the square. <laughs> I'll be. Born.
10: Off right in the middle of my song. Oh well, as long as he sends the check every week, who cares? <laughs> I'd better put this dog whistle in a safe place. I wonder if it really works. I gotta try it. <laughs> dog heard it, but I didn't. Mr. Scott was right. It can't be heard by a human being. I'd better put it on the mantle so I'll know where it is. Well, it's a quarter to twelve. I'd better prepare lunch.
9: Hey, Alice, where are those instructions that Mr. Scott gave
10: you? I think this dog...
9: Alice! Ah, well, I'll find them myself. I think she put them up on the mantle. Hey, I never saw this whistle before. Must belong to the kid. I know what it sounds like. <laughs> Must be broken. Maybe you have to blow it harder. Blow that time whistle in here. Well, I'm blowing it, but you heard it blow? Yeah.
3: That's
9: the shrillest sound I ever heard in my life. But Frankie, the whistle's broken. Look, I'll show you.
3: ya. You want to
9: break my eardrums? But I didn't hear nothing, I... Frankie My ears ain't working I must be losing my hearing Nah, it's nothing serious Some people are nearsighted, you just happen to be near-eared This is no time for jokes
3: Bill, lunch is ready Hey Oh,
9: honey I got awful news for you From now on, when you whisper, sweet nothings in my ear, that's what it's going to be. Nothing.
10: Phil, what are you talking about? I'm losing
9: my hearing, honey. I've been blowing this whistle, and I don't hear a sound.
10: Of course you don't. It's a supersonic whistle. It can't be heard by human beings. Only by
3: dogs.
9: (laughs) Oh. Well, thank goodness I'm all right. I didn't hear it, and Remley said he heard... <laughs> what are you staring at me for?
3: <laughs>
9: Just because I heard the whistle doesn't mean that I. I.
3: <laughs> I... yeah, <I, I>, I... <laughs> yeah,
9: Surely, if only dogs can hear it and I heard it,
3: it must mean that I. Make it easy.
9: Take down, Rack. Uh...
3: <laughs> you know, why is Frankie carrying on so?
9: Alice, I got something amazing to tell you. When I blew this dog whistle, Frankie heard it.
10: Somehow that doesn't surprise me. Honey,
9: don't you understand? What did you say about the whistle?
10: I said a human being can't hear it.
9: But Frankie heard it.
10: So?
3: What do you
9: mean, so? This is awful. If I can hear like a dog, there must be something wrong with me. Maybe you're part Airedale. (laughs) Don't be a funny man, part Airedale. I'll have you know I'm just as human as anybody.
5: I'll be right in there.
3: Oh. Oh, Shirley, this is All
9: right, her. take it easy, Ramley Take it easy <laughs> Just quiet down a minute now Take it easy, you're nervous
3: <laughs> I'll
9: soothe your nerves by singing something appropriate For a man in your condition oh. How about trees?
3: <laughs> Hold it, wait a minute Come to
9: think of it, I got just the tune for you, Rambly. Now sit back on your haunches, cock your ears, and listen to your master's voice. I recommend to every one of you who continue to do the things you do, apply the fundamental, and let the incidental go by. On the basic, firm
5: philosophy,
9: do it naturally, like it ought to be, by the fundamental, and let the incidental go by. When old man trouble starts in, hounding your doorstep, and he's got his grip around you, brother, that's the time you'd better watch your step. Consequently, I recommend you take this interview and apply it to everything you do, and you will find your knowledge more than any college could do for you, cause it's only elemental to apply the fundamental and let the incidental go by. A man to every one of you who continue to do the things you do. Apply the fundamental and let the incidental go by. Stand on a basic firm philosophy. Do it naturally, like it ought to be. Apply the fundamental and let the incidental go by. When old man trouble starts in hounding your doorstep And he's got his grip around you, brother That's the time you better get more hair Consequential, I beg you take this little interview And apply it to everything you do And you will find your knowledge is more than any college could do for you, cause it's only elemental to apply the fundamental and let the incidental go by. Bye
5: bye, F-U-N-D. I don't know how to spell it, but let the incidental go by.
9: I know what's wrong with my ears, Curly. I always stand too close to you when you sing.
3: <laughs> hey,
9: Curly, do you think maybe there's something in my ear that's causing my strange affliction? Could be. Maybe you got a tick in there. <laughs> hey, hold still, Remley. I'll look in your ear and see. All over here. Hmm. Got a dark in there. we I like a match.
3: Now, <laughs>
9: uh, let me see now. Hey, don't hold a match so close to my ear. Will, will you? you hold still? I want to study this. Oh, yeah. well, Does anybody?
3: Well, it's about time somebody sets fire to Mr. Remley. All <laughs> <laughs> the alcohol and him he can make a beautiful
9: blade. <laughs> you keep quiet, Julius. Now hold still, Frankie. Sure. Hmm. I don't see nothing in your left ear, Remley. What do you see? The light shining through from his left ear. Julius, you can see the light shining through. Oh Julius, you mean. One more crack out of you and I'll... uh, I'll spill this can of paint over you.
3: Keep your shirt on. What are you looking at his ear for anyway, Mr. Harris?
9: Well, kid, Mr. Remley has a very strange affliction. You see, he hears like a dog.
3: Hey, this guy's a regular menagerie.
9: (laughs) What do you mean, menagerie?
3: He hears like a dog, eats like a pig, and drinks like a fish. (laughs) 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 Mr. Harris, does any other member of his family suffer from this... Does
9: he have any brothers or sisters? Yeah, he's one of a litter of five.
3: <laughs> Let's
9: see, there was Prince, King, Rover, <laughs> uh... <laughs> Mr. Lennon,
3: please don't fuck while us humans are talking. That doesn't. You're getting this paint can right on your head. It's back! <laughs>
9: look what you got now. You got that red paint all over the dog. How am I going to explain this to Mr. Scott? How his dog got red.
3: Gentlemen, Frank Poodle joined the Communist Party. <laughs>
9: <laughs> <laughs> Lovely kid.
3: Yeah. He's
9: a grand boy. <laughs> He's got all the charm of an old man's knee. <laughs> oh, Remley, now look. Just take a look at that dog. He's covered with red paint. What are we going to do? If Scotty ever sees this dog like this, I'm a cinch to lose my job. Now, we got to get the paint off of her hair. Well, look take it
8: easy, will you? We'll get it off. Oh, sure. We'll all we have it. to do is you go answer the phone. I'll get all the right, paint all off
3: all of the right. dog. Let's see.
8: Where does Curly keep his electric razor?
3: <laughs> okay, stop
9: shivering, Hey There you are. Hey, you look great, kid. Not a hair on you. Hey, Remley, I got news for you. We're cooked. That was Mr. Scott on the phone. He had to postpone his trip, and he's coming over to get his th- <laughs> Rambly, where'd you get that plucked chicken? That's Scotty's dog. I shaved all her hair off. Oh, no. Oh, a nude French poodle?
3: <laughs>
9: Somehow she looks indecent. Throw a rug or a kimono or something. Open. I think she looks very attractive. Only to you, Rambin-Pin. <laughs> If Scotty sees his dog like this, he's going to raise the roof. Her fancy hairdo is the most important part of a dog. I know that. And when Scotty gets here, she'll have hair. Hand me that bottle of glue. You mean you're going to paste the hair back on the dog? Oh, Curly, don't get hokey. Besides, there's paint on the old hair. I'm going to paste this on. Looks like poodle hair, but it's much more luxurious. Yeah, it is. What is that? Alice's Persian lamb muff? (laughs) I know what I'm doing every minute. Frankie. will you listen to me? You can't do that. It's too late. It's already cut, measured, and ready to fit. Now, hold the dog still while I paste it on. Oh, Remley, why do you always get... Well, that's all we got left to do now, and I'll tell you something. We got to hurry, Frankie. Mr. Scott will be here any minute. Now, look, do you remember how her... Fancy hairdo looks Stop worrying, will you? I'll put it on just the way it was. You'd better.
3: Put it on. <laughs> yeah.
9: Well, she's all pasted, Curly. How does she look? I don't know, Frankie. Didn't she have a tuft of hair on on top of her head? No. Was under her chin just the way I got it. <laughs> well, maybe you're right. Hmm? But is it supposed to be shaped like a Van Dyke?
3: <laughs>
9: she looks like an ad for Box Bear
3: <laughs> I
9: think she looks swell. Notice how deftly I applied these clumps of fur here and there. Gives her a look of studied
3: carelessness (laughs) Well, maybe
9: she looks all right Wait a minute Hmm? What's that limp strip of fur Hanging down the back of her? Oh, that's her new tail (laughs) New tail? Mm Mm-hmm What happened to her old one? Well, while I was working on her She kept swishing it in my face So I glued it to her stomach (laughs) Frankie, this is a sad looking animal, and I know that Scotty is oh, going to be. Oh, oh, oh. Mrs.
8: Harris told me you
9: had my beautiful dog in here, and I. I.
8: What is that horrible monstrosity?
9: That horrible monstrosity is your beautiful dog. What happened to her? She used to have hair on top of her head and all along the top of her shoulders. Now she has it hanging
7: from her chin and under her stomach. <laughs> Turn her upside down, she'll be as good as you. <laughs> I should have known better than to leave her here with
8: you two maniacs. Come, Madam Mulberry, we're going home. Daddy will pick you up.
9: <laughs> <laughs> I can't budge her. Remley, you put too much glue on her stomach and she's stuck to the floor. Pull a little
3: harder, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
9: oh, you poor dog. But don't worry. We'll get back at those two right now. now. Wait a minute, Scotty, wait a minute. Take it easy. Don't stick that dog on us. Dog nothing. I'm going to bite you myself.
5: Don't <laughs> yourself. I can explain. I didn't mean to. Scotty, stop chewing on my leg. Take off your guard, you coward. <laughs>
9: Friends, this is Phil Harris, and right now I'm going to tell you about something that is very close to me. Somewhere is a youngster who needs a pal, a boy who may be fatherless or just an unhappy, unfortunate kid. Whatever the reason, the Big Brothers of America are ready to help. And you can help, too, if you're a Big Brother. Beginning next Sunday is National Big Brother Week. Give your own heart a warm feeling by joining up, won't you? Write Big Brothers of America, Philadelphia 3, Pennsylvania. Big Brothers of America, Philadelphia 3, Pennsylvania. Do that. Thank you. Good
7: night, everybody. Good night, everybody. This program was produced and directed by Paul Phillips. Included in today's cast were Gail Gordon and Stan Freeberg. Frank Remley was played by Elliot Lewis, and Julius was played by Walter Tetley. And now for Phil and Alice and all the gang, and for the Rexall Drug Company and your Rexall Family Druggist, This is Bill Foreman saying, Aloha to all from Rexall.
1: Thank you for listening. I hope you'll be with me next week when I uncover more gems from the golden age of radio. Thanks to Joel Schoenwell and Paul Stringer for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a wonderful weekend. This podcast
0: is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.